Hello and welcome to Genius Law Minds, the podcast about childhood mental health from the perspective of a licensed mental health professional. I'm Dr. Madeline Vieira, a clinical child psychologist specializing in infant mental health and childhood anxiety disorders. I'm also a mother of three girls, ages six, four, and three, so I can personally relate to a lot of the struggles parents go through. Raising healthy children is important. So on each episode of Genius Little Minds, we'll dive into an aspect of childhood mental health. I'm here to shine a light on the tough issues that families like you are facing every day. Things like childhood mood disorders, anxiety, tricky family dynamics, and more. I'll guide you through the various aspects of children's mental health so you not only understand your child better, but also feel empowered as a parent to make decisions and help them seek treatment if it's needed. My mission is to demystify childhood mental health issues so you can connect with your child better and help them lead a healthy, happy life. Throughout the podcast, I'll help you understand the signs, symptoms, and treatments for various childhood psychological disorders. We'll talk about how you can best support your child in both school and at home and how to find professional help if necessary. Together, we'll navigate tough topics like infant attachment, toddler tantrums, signs of anxiety, ADHD, and childhood depression intrusive thoughts or obsessive behaviors, and so much more. So whether you're having trouble bonding with your newborn or you have an older child displaying behavioral difficulties, this podcast is for you. I work with infants and children with a wide range of mental health concerns. If you gain one thing from this podcast is that you are not alone. Thousands of families struggle with the same things that you do. And the good news is help is available. I believe that with the right information, you can make empowered decisions for your family. If you're a new parent or expecting to become one soon, congratulations! With parenthood comes beautiful moments, memories, and a lot of questions. On the last episode of Genius Little Minds, we talked all about infant sleep, and today we're covering infant feeding. Infant feeding is a huge topic, I encourage you to explore any part of this episode you find interesting in more depth. One common question new parents have is how much and how often their baby should eat. We'll go over breastfeeding versus bottle feeding, hunger cues, and how to start them on solid foods. So let's jump in. First, you may be wondering, how do I know if my baby is hungry? At first, it may be difficult to tell if your baby is crying because they're hungry, tired, want to be cuddled, or need to be changed. The first few weeks of your baby's life will likely be a tired haze, but over time, you'll learn all your baby's cues and settle into a routine together. Typically, babies show they're hungry by licking their lips, sticking their tongue out, rooting, opening their mouth, sucking, putting their hand to their mouth repeatedly, or by being fussy. Crying is a late sign of hunger, and the other signs will show up first. So pay attention to those cute movements your infant is making. It may actually be them trying to say, feed me. As a new parent, I'm sure you want to know how often you should feed your baby. According to the American Academy of Pediatrics, breastfeeding newborns should eat as long and as often as they want. Most newborns need to eat every two to three hours, including overnight. You'll be feeding your newborn about eight to 12 times in a 24-hour period. This can feel like a lot for parents, 
especially if you're breastfeeding. But it makes sense that babies need to eat around the clock. They are growing and developing so much. Your baby will grow more in their first year than at any other time in their life. In fact, their weight will double in their first five months. Infants also need to eat so often because their tummies are tiny and can't hold very much. You can let your baby guide you, but expect they'll nurse for 20 or 30 minutes per feeding. You'll know when a nursing session is over when your baby releases your nipple or the sucking slows down to about four sucks per swallow. This may indicate comfort sucking rather than continuing to drink. You may experience what's called cluster feeds, times when your infant wants to nurse non-stop. This tends to indicate growth spurts are coming and will probably not last long, maybe a day or two. When your baby is between two and four months old, you'll probably be breastfeeding every three to four hours. And by six months, they'll want to eat every four to five hours. Formula-fed babies will probably have one to three ounces or about 30 to 90 milliliter of formula every three to four hours in the first few days, which gets bumped up to two to three ounces or about 60 to 90 milliliter after the first week or so. By one month, he'll be having four ounces or about 120 milliliter every four hours. And by six months, 24 to 36 ounces or about 700 milliliter to one liter over four to five feedings per day. Every infant is different, so be aware of your infant's hunger cues. Some infants show signs of being ready for solid foods around four months. Discuss it with your child's doctor to determine if your infant is ready to try banana, avocado, sweet potato, or other recommended foods. Most six-month-olds are ready to start eating solid foods, but their primary source of calories will still be breast milk or formula. When offering solid foods, try them one at a time to rule out any possible allergies your child might have. When your child is between 9 and 12 months old, about half of your baby's calories will come from solid food and half will come from breast milk or formula. Try offering three meals of solid foods a day, space between four to six nursing or bottle feeding sessions, and avoid foods that are hard, round, or might block their airway. Soft, squishy foods like yogurt, pureed vegetables, or fruits are usually best. Chop the food up into small pieces so it's easy for your baby to eat with their hands. Before we get into the benefits of breastfeeding, I want to start off by saying that you don't need to have given birth or have ovaries or a uterus to breastfeed. All families look different. Maybe you're in a same-sex partnership or maybe you've adopted. If you want to induce lactation, I recommend you speak to your healthcare provider for more information on how to do so. Some parents opt to share breastfeeding responsibilities, which is called co-nursing. I recommend speaking to a lactation consultant and looking into insurance-covered lactation consultations through the Lactation Network if you're in the United States. It's also important to note that while I focus on the benefits of breastfeeding in this episode, there are three main ways you can feed your child. Exclusive breastfeeding, supplemented breastfeeding, or exclusive formula feeding. Exclusive breastfeeding is not right for everyone. And at the end of the day, what matters most is that you're providing the nourishment your baby needs, however you choose to do so. 
For more information on safe feeding, I recommend you visit www.fedisbest.org. Now, let's answer the question on every new parent's mind. Breastfeeding or formula? Sometimes you may need both. Breastfeeding is generally recommended by pediatricians as breast milk boosts your baby's immune system, is easy to digest, and provides the nutrients your child needs to grow. But sometimes breastfeeding is not possible or there can be breastfeeding complications. Exclusive breastfeeding isn't necessarily the best choice for you and your family. There may be medical, emotional, or logistical reasons why breastfeeding isn't the best choice for you. And you don't need to explain your choice to anyone. What's most important is that your child gets all the nourishment he needs. So supplemental feeding or exclusive formula feeding may be right for you and your family, and there is no shame in exploring those options. I am going to go over some benefits of breastfeeding, however, for those who are interested. Breast milk helps fight infections. This is because it contains antibodies, proteins, fats, sugars, and white blood cells, which all work together to fight infection and nourish your child. Breastfed babies are less likely to get respiratory infections, gastrointestinal infections up to 12 months, and are slightly less likely to develop SIDS or childhood leukemia. If you are exclusively formula feeding or bottle feeding, you will start doing so right away. If you are going to do a combination of breast and bottle feeding, it's recommended you wait until your infant is about three weeks old to introduce a bottle. When you start bottle feeding your child, is up to you, but many parents choose to do so around four weeks. Some wait until between six and eight weeks. Some people find breastfeeding painful but pumping tolerable, so you might find you only breastfeed for a short amount of time and then switch to bottle feeding your breast milk. So let's talk about a few feeding options. Formula feeding is a great option for parents who can't or don't want to breastfeed. Formula is nutritionally complete and nourishes your child. It doesn't contain antibodies, which help fight infection. But there is no reason to avoid formula supplementation, especially if enough breast milk isn't being produced. There are true consequences of insufficient feeding and supplementation can be life-saving. Some parents combine breast milk and formula feeding. This is a decision to make with your healthcare provider to find what's right for you and your family. Another feeding option is to pump your breast milk and feed it to your baby from a bottle. Sometimes parents do this if their child is having trouble latching to the breast. Or you may choose to bottle feed if you're returning to work or school, have multiple babies, want to see how much your baby is eating, among other things. Some women don't like breastfeeding. You may decide to do a combination of breast and bottle feeding. Work with your family doctor to find out what's right for you. Parents who don't want to formula feed but can't produce their own breast milk or can't breastfeed due to medical reasons may want to consider seeking out screened breast milk banks. Many mothers donate their breast milk if they overproduce, so you could turn to donor breast milk and feed this to your infant from a bottle. To find an accredited milk bank, turn to the Human Milk Banking Association of North America or the United Kingdom Association of Milk Banking. Casual breast milk donation and sharing can be unsafe, carry infection, or be contaminated with bacteria due to improper handling and storage, so seeking out a screened, accredited milk bank is safest. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends breastfeeding your baby until they're at least six months old. 
After that, you can start to introduce solid foods and do a combination of breast milk and solids until your baby is one. When you want to stop breastfeeding is a personal choice. If you choose to breastfeed, try to stay relaxed. Respond to your child's hunger cues as promptly as you can and do your best to find a quiet, comfortable environment to breastfeed. This can be hard sometimes, especially if you're out in public. Just do the best you can as distracted or frustrated infants might have trouble latching. You may not love breastfeeding and that's okay. Some women really do, others don't. You'll also have to make a decision about how comfortable you feel breastfeeding in public. In the UK and the United States, it's legal to breastfeed in public. So even though you may get wayward glances, there's nothing shameful about feeding your child, however you choose to do it. Bottle feeding will likely become part of your routine, and with that may come bottle refusal. Bottle refusal can be extremely frustrating, but believe it or not, taking a bottle is actually a skill your baby needs to learn. So, you may want to try introducing a bottle when your baby isn't super hungry, but is more relaxed and calm. Know that feeding-related problems are fairly common. About 25% of parents report having some sort of struggle with this at some point during their child's development. Introduce a bottle slowly over time to ease the transition. If your baby is refusing a bottle, there are a few things you can do. You can try introducing the baby to the bottle nipple by placing your finger in it and rubbing it gently along the baby's gums and inner cheek, with no bottle attached. Let them get used to the texture and feeling. If they don't like it, try again later. Once your baby seems comfortable with the nipple in her mouth, rub it gently along her tongue to encourage sucking. You can add a few drops of milk in the nipple once she seems comfortable with it, and then slowly introduce the bottle later. Make sure you're using a wide-based, slow-flow nipple when you first introduce bottle feeding. Breastfed babies are used to working for their food, so make sure too much milk isn't coming out of the bottle at once. If the flow is too fast, you might see milk spilling out of their mouth. They might gag, spit, gulp, or swallow forcefully. So use a slow-flow nipple when you first introduce the bottle. As babies grow, they can drink at a quicker pace and the bottle nipple can be changed to introduce a faster flow. If a baby gets used to a faster rate of feeding, you know that breastfeeding may become frustrating. You can also encourage your baby to latch onto the bottle nipple rather than putting in her mouth by tickling her upper lip with the bottle and waiting for her to latch. She should latch onto the wide base and not just the tip, as is done with breastfeeding. You may also want to try feeding your baby in different positions. Have them semi-upright so they can swallow and breathe comfortably and be sure to support their head. A person other than the breastfeeding caregiver may need to bottle feed the baby. The baby will be able to tell if you're nearby and wonder why the breast isn't being offered. And as always, now is a portion of the podcast where I take caller questions. On every episode, we hear from parents from all over the world in the hopes that will help you get some clarity on how to support your child. Hi, this is Diane calling from Brussels in Belgium. I'm seven months pregnant and I'm beginning to learn about breastfeeding. Are you supposed to alternate breasts after each feeding or 
do I start with the right breast and then at the next feeding go to the left? Or do I offer both breasts every time? What if my baby finds it easier to latch onto one breast versus the other? I'm a bit confused on how that works and if I'll start to feel lopsided if my baby shows a preference and only wants to eat from one side. Also, how do I know when they're done eating? Uh, I've read that Heinz milk is especially nutritious, but what if they get full before they get any? Thanks. Hi Diane, thanks for calling in with your question. Breastfeeding is really unique to each mom and baby pair, but there are some good guidelines you can follow. It's important to know that all babies are different in how much milk they need with each feeding. How much milk a baby drinks varies because of a baby's stomach size and the fattiness of the mother's milk. Women's breasts also have varying milk capacity. Some studies have even shown a milk capacity range of 74 to 606 grams or 2.6 to 20 ounces per breast. So some babies need to eat from both breasts to get full, while others will be fully satisfied with one breast. Emptying the breast is more important than feeding on both sides for every feed. If your baby is content with just feeding on one side, make sure that your baby starts with the next feed on the opposite side. This is completely normal. Emptying each breast is important to prevent clogged ducts and mastitis. If you develop an oversupply and your baby does not fully empty one breast in one session, pumping may be necessary. Babies do often show a preference for one side or the other, especially in the early days. Latching onto one side may be more difficult. Try different positions and holds if this is the case. A baby will often outgrow this as latching becomes easier. Once a baby is older, favoritism often springs up because the baby prefers the quicker flow of one breast, which becomes more prominent with continued favoritism. A strong preference for one side that is not addressed can leave lasting effects. Some women notice a significant size difference between their breasts during breastfeeding and even after their baby is weaned. This does not happen for everyone though, but it is possible. When a baby begins to show a strong preference for, say, the right breast, the mother should start every feed on the left side. Once the baby has emptied the left side, he can be switched over to the right side. This continual emptying of the non-preferred side will signal the breast to make more milk, which will increase the speed of the flow and often resolves the favoritism. If you find that your baby really does not want to feed off the non-preferred side, Try pumping just the non-preferred side instead to send those signals that it needs to produce more milk. Knowing when a breastfed baby is done eating is a concern for many parents. Most babies will usually relax and stop eating when they get full. Don't feel a need to force them to eat more once they seem satisfied. If you are worried that they aren't eating enough, watch for weight gain and an appropriate number of wet diapers. A common misconception about breast milk is that it suddenly switches at some point from foremilk to hind milk. This isn't the case. As your baby feeds, the percentage of foremilk slowly gets lower and the percentage of hind milk gets higher. Remember that both foremilk and hind milk are important, but too much foremilk can cause issues. Signs of a baby getting too much foremilk are extra gassiness or green poop. Most often this happens because a baby is switched from one breast to the other too quickly. Breastfeeding definitely has a learning curve, but it's a beautiful bonding experience between you and your baby. Good luck.
Hello, I'm Zoe, and um, I'm calling in from Hartford, Connecticut. I hope you can help me. I'm at my wit's end with this breastfeeding thing. I have a three-week-old baby girl, and I am having so much trouble breastfeeding her. She latches and feeds for a bit, and then unlatches herself. She'll do this like ten times a session. I don't know what to do. I can't figure out why she won't stay latched. Then she bursts into tears because she's still hungry, and I feel like such a failure. We both end up in tears every time I breastfeed her, honestly. And my nipples hurt so much from all the latching and unlatching. What can I do to keep her happy? I I don't know why she's doing this, and then I feel horrible for feeling so frustrated. I thought breastfeeding would be a beautiful bonding experience, and it's been nothing but pain for both of us. Zoe, thanks for sharing your questions. Breastfeeding is not always easy and doesn't come naturally to everyone. There are a couple of problems that may be happening. I'm happy to give you some tips. It's possible that your baby is unable to get a good latch. Getting a good latch is the first and most important step when breastfeeding. Without a good latch, a baby is not able to stimulate the nipple in the right way and the milk does not flow freely. It also leaves the nipple sore and aching. This is no fun for anyone. A bad latch can be caused by many things, but the main two are lip and tongue ties and baby's positioning. If your daughter has not already been evaluated for lip and tongue ties, I would highly suggest that. Some pediatricians are qualified to do this, but other great options are a pediatric dentist, chiropractor, or lactation consultant. Revising lip and tongue ties can make a world of difference with feeding issues. Once you've assessed for lip and tongue ties, you can look at your baby's position while feeding. Newer babies often are only able to get a swallow latch because the breast is not brought to the baby's mouth in the right way. Or the baby is held in a way that makes it difficult to maintain a good latch. Try putting your baby to your breast with their nose towards the center of your nipple. This will encourage the baby to open their mouth wide so that much of the areola is taken into the mouth, getting a deep latch. Keep your baby's whole body facing you so that their airway and the digestive tract are straight and clear. There are many great video resources online that demonstrate these methods and show you how to get a better latch. A lactation consultant can be a valuable resource in this process. They will often watch the feeding process and then show you how to help her get a better latch. They will often suggest different positions or have tips that are specific to you and your baby. A nipple shield can be another great tool. Often made of silicone, these shields serve two purposes. They provide a barrier between you and your baby, protecting your sore nipples, and they help your baby get a better latch. Many babies find it easier to latch onto a bottle over a breast, and nipple shields capitalize on that fact. Nipple shields are helpful to many moms but they should be used with caution. Often milk will flow more slowly with a nipple shield, which is not great if the baby is already frustrated by a slow flow. They also need to be cleaned thoroughly with each use to prevent bacteria growth. Some babies can become dependent on the nipple shield to latch properly. So working with a lactation consultant while using a nipple shield is recommended. Another possible explanation is that your baby is unsatisfied with the flow of the milk. If the flow does not seem fast enough, try massaging your breast or doing some hand expression before putting your baby to the breast. 
This will trigger the first letdown and help her get milk more quickly. If you think that your supply is part of the problem, you can try adding pumping sessions in between feeds. Having a higher supply will likely also help increase the flow of your milk. Figuring out what the problem is or how to get a good latch is a process. It will likely take time. In the meantime, you can use a nipple cream to soothe your nipples or metal nipple shields in your bra between feedings. Breastfeeding has its challenges, but together you and your baby will figure this out. Good afternoon. This is Anastasia. I live in Warsaw, Poland, and I'm calling today with a question about breastfeeding and adoption. My partner and I are adopting a beautiful baby boy, and I have heard there are ways to stimulate breast milk production, even if you have never been pregnant before. How can I go about doing that? And how soon can I start? We want to start planning for her arrival, but are unsure if we should turn to a milk donor, formula, or if I will be able to produce some milk myself. Hi, Anastasia. What an exciting time in your life! Congratulations, and thanks for calling in with your questions. What you're asking about is called induced lactation because you have not been breastfeeding previously. There's also the term relactation, but that is the process of breastfeeding, stopping for a short period of time, and then restarting. While they are not often talked about, both processes are totally possible with dedication and perseverance. Since you have not been breastfeeding recently or been pregnant, you need to let your body know that milk production is what you want. The best way to do this is through proper stimulation and breast emptying. An electric pump will likely be your best option, though some women find that they respond better to a manual pump or hand expression. Work towards a pumping schedule of every three hours throughout the day and night. Make sure that your flange size is correct to get the best stimulation. You can consult a lactation consultant if you need to make sure you have the right fit. It may also be helpful to use nipple cream at first, as your nipples adjust to the increased friction and stimulation. Make sure that you are fueling your body well with plenty of water and nutrient-dense food. It will need this extra boost to produce milk. You can also consult your doctor for different hormones that may help signal to your body to produce milk. There are also some herbs that may help with milk production, but you should always consult with your doctor first before using any natural remedies. It is totally normal to not get any milk for quite a while. Every body is different, and the time it takes to produce milk will vary. It will also vary how much milk in total you are able to make. Some women are able to produce a full supply, while others produce some milk but still need to supplement with formula or donor milk. Either outcome is great. Any breast milk that you're able to provide for your baby is wonderful. Keep in mind that many mothers may struggle to produce much milk with a pump. But see an increase in supply once the baby arrives. Some women just don't respond as well to a pump. There is also the possibility that you will not be able to induce lactation. You should prepare yourself ahead of time for this outcome. Remember that the ability to induce lactation is not reflective of you or your ability as a mother. It is totally okay to use donor breast milk or formula. 
you should start this process two to three months before your baby's arrival. If your milk comes in more quickly, you can always freeze it for later use. Through induced lactation, it is not possible to produce colostrum, but it is possible to produce mature breast milk. Since this is the case, it may be more difficult to breastfeed when your baby is first born. Your baby may struggle with how fast the flow of your milk is initially, since mothers who give birth to their babies often don't have their mature milk come in until three to six days postpartum. You can try different positions, such as reclining, to slow the flow, or you can try feeding your baby after you have already pumped some milk out. Practicing a good latch is important, but if your baby is still not able to handle the flow of your milk, you can feed through a spoon, cup, or bottle for the first few days. Induced lactation requires a lot of time and effort, but the rewards for you and your baby are worth it. I wish you all the best. Breastfeeding, bottle feeding, breast milk or formula, we've covered it all today. Here are three key points to remember about infant feeding. One, breast milk is very beneficial to infants. It boosts their immune system, is easy for them to digest, it promotes a healthy microbiome and provides the nutrients they need to grow. That said, there's nothing wrong with not being able to breastfeed or choosing not to. If you still want to feed your child breast milk, Look into accredited milk banks. If you have an excess of breast milk, consider donating. Two, you can introduce solid foods when your baby is about six months old. Introduce soft foods one at a time to rule out any potential allergies. Three, introduce a bottle slowly to ease the transition from breastfeeding to bottle feeding. Formula-fed infants will get a bottle right away, while babies who nurse may get introduced to a bottle when they're anywhere between three and eight weeks old. I hope you found this episode on infant feeding interesting and helpful. Stay tuned because next time we'll cover all your burning questions about toddler mental health and how to encourage healthy brain development in your one to three-year-old. Did you know that emotional intelligence is taught, not innate? And that a growth mindset can be established in toddlerhood? This and so much more will be covered in our next episode. See you next time and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.